all the world's a stage and all the men and women are merely players. They have their entrances, they have their exits. We all have a part to play in this stage called life. What part do you play? Are you part of the solution or part of the problem? I am part of the solution of making our voices known louder in the unhoused community to the public who has a preconceived notion that unhoused people are service resistant, mentally ill, or drug addicts, or a danger to society and their children. Come with me through these episodes to find out what we feel about the situation that has been pushed upon us by the system of capitalism, corruption, and white supremacy. Welcome to the very first episode of Weezy Unhoused. I am your host, Theo Henderson, an unhoused resident of six years in Chinatown, Los Angeles. Many have different opinions of me, some of them good, some of them bad, based on the prejudices and the whisper campaigns about unhoused people who's trying to have uh, survive and have a humane and humanity kept during this difficult time. I have been unhoused for six years. But I'm reminded of a quote that Dr. King says, and I want to give this to you. There comes a time when people get tired of being pushed out of the glittering sunlight. I'm tired of life's July and left standing amid the piercing chill of an alpine November. I'm standing on the cold front of hatred, vigilantism, outright violence and death threats due to knowingly, knowingly, vile and evil people knowing that they are trying to do such. I share the same fate as many other unhoused people in Los Angeles and we live in the basic tiptoe stance due to the hatred that is being spread upon by our city leaders, the police officers, and the city council and board of supervisors by attacking aggressive legislation, by using propaganda machines like the LA Times, Steve Lopez, hate page, uh, article three-part series, advocating for law and order, and creating the environment for vigilantes to continue to go unabated. So please continue to join us and find out just what the truth is about unhoused situation. Our first featured guest is General Dogon. Dr. Martin Luther King would say, the only way you can be rolled is if your back is bent. General Dogon stood up for the Skid Row House resident, unhoused residents when he turned down the empty award that Mayor Garcetti handed him. He stood up and spoke out against the injustice that the LAPD has done, particularly to residents like Annie Moody, arrested her over a hundred times. He stood up and said that we need housing for unhoused people the decency and dignity restored back into the city. And most importantly, a, a, a wake-up call to the city to stop their punitive 4118 and 5611. He took the opportunity to swing long and hard at the hard facts. And they are that there are not enough services for unhoused people, such as housing, su supportive services, and the issues that humanity and respect that is lacking with the Los Angeles Police Department and the city. Thank you. I feel, I feel as though we should be giving this award to the mayor, right? I feel that, uh, you know, uh, he one that came down here and brought the tallest dudes for us. You know, so, but you know what? This award is just like the mayor and his cronies. 
it's worthless. Because this award is this right here. It's ten, the toilet that you bring in is 10 years late and it's 300 too short. Right? For the last 16 years, you've been in leadership of city council. You have directly criminalized Skid Row. And I cannot accept this. Right? This ain't, this ain't nothing compared to what we've been going through and what we need. Right? We totally laid out in the dirty divide what the community needs. Right? And until everything and the recommendations and this dirty divide is set aside, then what we're doing here today don't mean nothing. It's a start, but just like I said, we need 300 more toilets. We don't need the pat on the backs. We need services. We need wraparound services and we need housing and we need it like yesterday. So please give a welcome to General Doga. Good evening. Welcome, welcome, welcome people out there. Welcome, welcome. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. I met you a few years ago and I was kind of struck by how uh, relaxed and more zen like you are now but at the time I knew you was quite the firebrand mm -hmm. so I had to really had to see you is this the, really the guy that I, I saw before but when I heard you speak uh, at one of the uh, meetings here I said oh that's still him he's just like he keeps it on more reserve uh, yes uh, turn it on turn it off right <laughs> so I, I have to ask you how did you get into the uh, issues of fighting for unhoused people so actually, I'm born and raised here on Skid Row. So I grew up all my life around and about. And so um, basically, um, just uh, being around the community, knowing people, houses, folks are all my friends, my neighbors, right? Uh, grew up with folks and, you know, just folks just had a, a stroke of bad luck, became homeless. And, um, you know, so you're still my friend, you know, and so um, the city, you know, started criminalizing people. So, of course, I had to support and fight back. And so that's how I got involved. That's wonderful. And I wish more citizens had uh, had felt that same uh, fire and passion. That's, per that's the purpose of this uh, podcast is to drum up some more support for it. Uh, what do you see as the, one of the biggest challenges right now within Unhoused, especially with the city tackling this problem? Uh, I would say, most definitely have to say the biggest issue is political will to solve the problem. And then I would say um, having a working knowledge of information. The city of Los Angeles, the city council members, um, 2016, they declared a homeless state of emergency. And they said from this day forward, we was gonna stop the criminalization and we was gonna focus on housing folks. And they said to um, address all homeless issues that they was going to create a homeless and poverty committee. And this homeless and poverty committee going to meet at uh, City Hall and that they was going to address all homeless issues citywide. And the first order of business was to amend 5611. The first meeting they had was founded and based on criminalization. Same thing they said they wasn't going to do is what they started off doing and is what they doing here to this day, three years later. It was 17 meetings they had the first year. We went to every last one of them. And it wasn't a meeting that they had that they wasn't talking about the criminalization, right? In fact, I told them you need to stop and take a breath and drink a glass of water or something, right? Because they just continue to forward march with creating all these anti-homeless ordinances. In fact, uh, they created six 
the first year of this committee, right? They changed up Venice Beach to Venice Park. They said that a, a, a homeless person property has to be able to fit to a 60 gallon trash can. That was under 5611. They created uh, new laws around um, bulky items in the public right away, which they already had it on the books. But it was more just like uh, uh, things that homeless people have in particular, right? And then uh, one of the last ones that they created before they ran out the year, ran out the door that year for Christmas holidays was December 23rd. They passed 85.2, which says you cannot sleep in your vehicle, right? And so I knew from the beginning, right, that uh, the city council don't have uh, they don't have a working knowledge of homeless folks. Now, if they was going to be working with, let's say, uh, developers, uh, Starbucks, uh, uh, some of the other business folks, oh, yeah, they know all about how to do that. They can tell you everything to do, do it right. But when they start talking about working for poor people and doing stuff for poor people, they don't know where to start. They don't have no idea in hell on what to do. Right. And that's been the problem with the homeless crisis. The city just don't have a knowledge and they don't want to listen to nobody like us, community organizers who talking and dealing and working with homeless folks every day. Right. Uh, we're in the trenches with homeless folks every day. We're in communication with them every day. And so um, we have a working knowledge of what folks want. And then on top of that, you come and ask people they'll tell you what they want, you know. But the city, just like I said, they continue to create these programs. And these are programs that they created. And then uh, when they launch these programs and uh, uh, people don't patronize them, then they say, oh, you're shelter resistant, you this, you that, you don't want this. Right? No, what we don't want is you to try to dictate what we need to get off the street. If you want to ask me what I need, then you need to come talk to me. Don't sit up in City Hall. Right. And try to create all these plans for me and programs for me. Then when I don't want and I, when they don't fit my criteria, then you want to make it seem like, oh, I'm just a bad person. I don't want no help. I'm on drugs. I lost my mind and I don't know what I need. Right. And so that's been the problem right there. You've been hit on some excellent points. Uh, one of the things that I would to point to to bring this also closer to what's going on now, the current ordinance that they're up for the discussion is 4118. And how this ties into one of the uh, people that you have spoken to at the last meeting, and I was just fascinated about the travails of a, a young lady by the name of Annie Moody. It's it's boggles my mind. I have a personal experience of being harassed by park rangers, police, parents getting petitions to run me out because they feel I'm going to launch myself or attack children or elderly people and things of that nature. So I want you to talk a little bit more. Um, tell us a little bit about what is 4118. Sure. So uh, 4118D is um, one of the city's uh, municipal codes that says you can't sit, sleep, or lie on public sidewalk. Um, now, we already know a lot of homeless people are not welcome on private property and in stores. Even sometimes when they have money, they're not welcome. Now, here it is the city saying that you're not welcome on public property neither, right? You can't sit, you can't sleep, and you can't rest. So where else? If if I if there is no place for me to go, the shelters are full, the missions are full, I don't have no housing, you don't have no housing for me, I mean, what do I supposed to do? There's nothing left, right? You got private property and public property, you're saying that I can't rest on, right? So there's nothing left. 
And a little bagging up a little history, uh, most definitely for me, 4118D, I would say, is uh, is a city ordinance, is they ordinance. And their own ordinance has caused them more heartache, more trials, and more tribulations than I would say any other homeless ordinance that they have on the books, right? And the reason why I said that is because the city is still under federal obligations right now as we speak for 4118D. It was a case filed in 2003. It was called Jones versus the city of Los Angeles. It was a, a Ninth Amendment federal court violation on the crude and unusual punishment. And basically it was ACLU and Carol Sobo, who's a long-term civil rights champion that took the case. Little, little history. So it was uh, Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones was a middle-aged black man that had a medical problem that every time he would stop, LAPD would pull up and um, they would jack him up and they would arrest him, right, for violating 4118D. And for most folks, it was five days in the county jail. And so ACLU and Carl Sobel took the case. And in 2005, the federal court agreed, to make a long story start, fast forward, they agreed that it's wrong for any city entity to criminalize somebody for not having nowhere to go, right? For criminalizing somebody for being disabled. It's like criminalizing the blind for being blind, the lame for being lame. The man body breaks down, he have no other choice but to sit and rest. And at that point, you gonna come and criminalize him? That ain't right. So the courts told the city that they violated Mr. Jones' Eighth Amendment rights, and they told him them to uh, make amends. So the amends was, that the city would allow people to sleep on the streets from 9 o'clock at night to 6 a.m. in the morning. And that order to stay in effect until the city built 1,200 units of permanent support housing. And this was in 2005, right? The city got pissed off. They got mad. Um, they jumped up and down like three-year-olds. They couldn't believe that they was hit like that. But they had no other choice but to allow people to sleep on the streets. Because even when they, at two years later, after the case was filed, the city still didn't have... Uh, places for people to go. The shelters are still full, right? And so people had a right to sleep. And so uh, from that perspective, instead of the city start building and investing in housing, because that's the solution to housing, right? They didn't do it. Um, just months later, after this ruling in September uh, 2006, the city launched what they call the Safer City Initiative, which is a policing initiative that brought 110 extra police to Skid Row, making Skid Row the most police community, not only in America, but second in the world to Baghdad. And so the city of Los Angeles, in response to Jones, will proceed for the next 10 years, right, to criminalize people on Skid Row and around about. And for the next 10 years, they would use police enforcement to basically try to move people out of uh, downtown L.A., try to gentrify downtown L.A. And it was the fight back that was going on out of uh, L.A. can, the reason why we're still here today. The first year of the initiative, uh, they arrested uh, 11,000 people and wrote 13,000 tickets in a community a little few than 15,000 residents. And this is all within a 15-block area. The first three years of the initiative, they had arrested 27,000 people and wrote over 36,000 tickets. And you would say, how do you arrest 27,000 people in a community with less than 15,000 to start with? By continue to arrest them and harass them and arrest them and harass them until you just finally throw in the towel and move out of the area. The most arrested person 
during this time zone was a middle-aged black woman named Ann Moody. She was arrested 108 times. I'm going to say that again. She was arrested 108 times for, as the city say, violating 4118D. Right? Um, she was an Islamic woman, Muslim, and uh, she didn't ha get high. Uh, there was nothing wrong with it. She read the Quran every day, and um, they would come right where she had her tent up at, which was six in town, and uh, they would arrest her. She would go to the jail for about five days. They would let her out. She would go get a tent, and she would come right back to that same spot and put another tent right back up. I don't know where she got these tents from. She had a tent connection, like, out of this world, like I have never seen. But this woman <laughs> would come up with these tents, all right? And so, um, but what's... Um, but what's really heartbreaking and really crazy and shows the criminalization about this is that how do you go through the criminal injustice system 108 times and nobody's saying something? You would think people, public defenders in the public defender's office who represent this woman would be busting a nut, breaking windows out in the courthouse. Mm -hmm. You would think the prosecutor, right, who's keep prosecuting this woman 108 times would get tired of prosecuting and say something about it. You would even think the damn judge would say something about somebody coming through their courtroom 108 Eight times, right, repeating the same thing. This is the epitome of Einstein theory of repeating the same thing over and over and over and over again, respecting something different, right? At what point do you draw the line and cut the kite on this string, right? Cut the string on this kite. And so the city never did that, right? So it was the people that had to bring it to them, let them know, you need to, we liberating this woman by any means necessary from this injustice system, right? And so, um, um, yeah, so they spent 10 years, police in Skid Row trying to arrest their way out of homelessness. And we told them, you cannot arrest your way out of this crisis. Just when you think you're arresting the last person on the block, here come the first one getting out. And when SCI first started, it was a little less than 150-some tents on Skid Row. You come through Skid Row here 10 years later, it's over 5,000 tents. And this is because of the city trying to criminalize their way out of this instead of housing people. Because that 13, I think it was... Like, uh, I forgot the exact number a month, city and countywide, but it was in the hundreds that people were becoming homeless every month. And so I know it's 13 a day, but I know today, 13 people a day are becoming homeless throughout the city and county of Los Angeles. Just to piggyback off of that is the fact that once you arrest him and criminalize him and they have a record. And I know, like for me, when I'm finding it for housing, one of the fears of people to try to find housing is yeah. they give you a background check. Exactly. They ask you, do you have any criminal records or tickets or, mm. or are you wanted? I have a warrant and things like that. So they have basically created their own monster. Exactly. That's and on top of that, it's an expensive monster. Uh -huh. So 10 years of just police and skid row. I'm just talking about skid row. I'm not talking about the rest of the city, uh -huh. right? I'm talking about just skid row, 15 block areas. They spent over a billion dollars just police and skid row. And for what? Then on top of that, LAPD is also getting 54% of the general fund budget. Then on top of that, they have another homeless fund that they was getting annually that was $100 million. This is a citywide fund. That's the $100 million. And out of the $100 million that was going to the homeless people, right, it was a homeless budget, $100, $100 million. Mm -hmm. uh, LAPD was getting 87%. How do you give LAPD 87% of a homeless budget and expect for you to solve the homeless crisis? This is the reason why come we got all these tents up there, because the city 
gave the money to the police to, to, to police the homeless, as opposed of getting the money and, and giving it to some type of housing d- developer that's going to build some, some extremely low-income housing that's at everybody's budget to house people, right? And so that's the situation. So here it is today. Uh, the city is still obligated to Jones because they still have to build those 1,200 units. They still haven't met their obligations with Jones. And here he is, 2019. So the city and developers, they are building houses. They're just not building it for us. Because when you look from First Street downtown all the way to Washington Boulevard, they done built a whole new damn city of condos, lofts, and, and luxury apartments is what the lady told me. Right? And so they are building houses. They just ain't building jack for us. Right? What is it do you think that needs to happen for the average citizen that sees the unhoused crisis uh, and has been noticing as an unhoused person myself? I can tell you the number of times that I've been uh, harassed by people that have housed and uh, the uptick in vigilantism uh, when they see unhoused people throwing uh, dog feces, lighting them on fire. I had one guy threatening me and, and uh, when I was uh, just getting up in uh, middle of the night that had, was getting his car, taking pictures of me and things like that. What do you think uh, it's going to take? What is your, uh, actually, let me, that's three questions. What, the first question I would like to ask is, what is your concerns uh, about this uptick in vigilante violence against, with people that are joining together, like the Business Improvement District people or quality of life uh, members of the group? That's the loudest voice I hear uh, speaking out. So most definitely there's a misconception. So the Business Improvement District from the beginning has been falsely representing the homeless crisis, right? And so the business improvement district is one for the businesses. First of all, you're talking about an organization that had come into an area, right? And tax the people, the businesses in that area, right? Take that tax money, right? And then lobby against the residents that live in that area. So for one, you're wrong. You're wrong for coming in our community, right? And and, and blood sucking the business like us. We're a business, right? And we have to pay into the business. Do we want to? Hell no, right? Because we don't agree with what they're doing because the business improvement district is just what they say. They for the businesses. They not for the people, right? And so we don't believe in profit over people. We believe in people over profit. And so with from that perspective, then we already say that the business improvement district, they interest, very interested in our community. It's a capitalistic one. Right. So all they approaches is going to be toward money and making money and revenue. They don't give a damn about people that's laying in the ground. They'll step over your ass, walking right into their little they little five fortune 500 businesses to operate every day. They don't care. Right. And so, um, first of all, people got to understand that um, homelessness is a health crisis. It's a, it's a human rights violation. It's, it's easy. It's easy for the city to do what they got to do. And, and build housing, but they prefer not to do what they want to do and, and, and start criminalizing us. And so you got the business improvement district. They got their own private security guards that are LAPD lackeys. Some of, in cases, they're worse than the police. And all they do is criminalize and try to move people out of the community, residents that are homeless out of the community, right? And so first of all, we got to understand what their position is and what they're supposed to be doing. And then second of all, uh, the vigilante stuff, some of the vigilante stuff. I mean, so I don't agree with um, attacking homeless people, uh, attacking homeless people, uh, uh, tents, setting people on fire, all this other things that we hear about 
um, that that that's been happening and going on. For the most part, a lot of this stuff is uh they are crimes and they are against uh, some of the the, the most vulnerable uh, uh, citizens and Angelinos in the city. And most definitely, I would have to say that a lot of these um, incidents that go unreported, a lot of these incidents um, go really supported by the city and by the police and, and by other people like that. It's all condoned. Like, because as soon as they found out that it's against the home inspection, it's like, oh, who cares? It's like they're expandable, right? And so um, the Business Improvement District um, has basically been rolling with LAPD. They've been involved in lawsuits uh, with LAPD, like Carl Mitchell versus the city of Los Angeles. Mm. They was defendants in that lawsuit as well. The city cut them out of the lawsuit for liability reasons, right? But um, uh, the uh, the it, there's not a business improvement district downtown probably that haven't been sued for violating homeless people's rights because that's just what they do. And so I think it's a whole lot of the work and a lot of the language that they've been using the last 10 years We've been hearing the same language. Oh, they all on drugs, right? They all lost their mind. Uh, they 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 shelter resistance. They don't want this. They don't want that. That's all lies. That's all manipulations to get people to hate homeless people, mm-hmm. to get people to attack homeless people, to do all that. When actually, it's the total opposite, right? People do want housing, right? Just like the last. That's why I like the last 2019. Lassa greater homeless count with the new numbers showed the truth. It showed the truth that uh, uh, people is not out of their mind. People is is not fucking on drugs. But the problem is the rent is too damn high. It's always been too high. Right. <laughs> and so uh, people can't afford to live. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you got a, a society or something that's outpricing people, here it is. You got folks that's on disability. They don't make no more than seven hundred dollars a month. Right. Where they supposed to go get, go get housing from in this city? There is no place that you can find housing. So what do you expect people to do? Right. I got seven hundred dollars a month. Do I go to a motel? Right. And pay for a week because that's all it's going to buy. And then I'm stranded with nothing to eat, no car fare, no nothing for the rest of the month. Right. Or, or do I go to Western Surplus and buy me a tent? You know what I mean? And wait for something to, to kick in for my housing number to come up for me to kick in. Because you got to understand that it's 58,000 people that's homeless city and countywide. And that's by their numbers. We say put a one in front of that because it's over 150, if not 200,000 people that's homeless throughout the city and county of Los Angeles. The economic roundtable estimate that the city going to need 550,000 units of permanent support housing to get out of this housing, this current housing crisis. You, t- you touch on an, a good point. And one of the points I want to ask is what about uh, when you hear people say, if it's so expensive here, why don't you leave? When you look at the, the homeless crisis in Los Angeles, a lot of people see all the tents. They think, oh, these are people that got off the Greyhound bus uh, from Nebraska, you know, holding a pigeon cage, and, you know, with overalls on. No. These homeless people in Los Angeles, in the county and around about, is not from Alaska. They're not from the moon. They're not from Iowa. They're from South Central, Compton, Watts, and the Valley, right? These are people who lost their job. These are people who uh, uh, they was living with somebody else. Something happened. These are people who had tragedies in their life. Various different things happen where people end up on Skid Row and end up homeless, right? And so me, myself, and other people, um, I have, for years, I have lived a check away, you know what I'm saying, for being homeless, right? 
And, and so, I mean, just like I was saying, the rent is too high. People can't afford the rent. It's, the rent's supposed to be 30% of your income, right? Uh, $2,000 for a one-bedroom or a two-bedroom, you know what I'm saying? It's not at my rent level, you know what I'm saying? I can't afford that, right? And just like the new count says, 721,000 households are rent burdened and are a check away from being homeless, Right? And so, I mean, when you got those type of numbers, right, it ain't just one or two people. It ain't just, you know, five or six people. You know what I'm saying? It ain't the 58,000 people that are just homeless, mm-hmm. right? It's the 721,000 families, right, that's across the damn city and county. That's a check away from being on a tent on Skill Row. And, and that's the bottom line. The rent is too damn high. That is an excellent point to uh, to cut off. I don't mean to hold up your time. I wanted to thank you very much because you have touched on a lot of the things that um, I felt we needed to talk about. The the myths of being unhoused. I've covered it so many times, even from my own friends. Thank you again. Uh, this is Theo Henderson uh, with General Dogon from uh, Chinatown Street Watch. If you want to read a book that hasn't been written, then you must be the one to write it. Sarah Chisholm is an aspiring writer. She's currently writing her second short story anthology in her series. She also has a wealth of experience dealing with unhoused friends and neighbors and how to be an ally to unhoused people. Let us welcome Sarah Chisholm. I'm your host, Theo Henderson, and I'm in the studio today with a a writer by the name of Sarah Chisholm. She has three stories that are uh, posted in a couple of anthology books, and she's currently working on another. So without further ado, let's welcome her to our show. Good. Hello. 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 How are you guys today? As you know, our show talks about a variety of issues. Primarily, is the central focus is on unhoused people and the challenges that you uh, you see. And, and that they deal with. From a tangential point or from an e- e- external point, can you tell us what is your impressions of unhoused people? Everybody is uh, an individual, everybody is different. They're in different circumstances for different reasons. And we have to look at them in that way. We have to look at everybody pretty much basically on the same level. You can't assert a certain opinion about somebody just because they're unhoused. So that's my viewpoint. I I share that sentiment exactly as well, but uh, I don't know if you've been following the news, but there has been an uptick in hostility against unhoused people. Have you seen the latest where uh, an unhoused person was almost burned alive by a city of chamber commerce son who, as well as the four deaths of unhoused people in New York City? I have seen um, some of that coverage. It's just kind of gruesome and shocking and disgusting because I think the sentiment is like, and this was something that they kind of thought of, I guess, um, you know, when they did this woman movement thing and they tell the young men, oh, don't think of them, think of them as your sister or your mother. Well, you're not gonna think of them that way and you're not gonna think of unhoused people in that way. Like, oh, let's have compassion because they remind us of somebody. You're not gonna do that. But what you can say is like, we're all human beings, we're all people. And I think that really puts a more clear picture on it. Uh, very well, and very well spoken. Uh, one of the things I also want to talk about, which leads into it, is do you think the, the 
the city councils, the mayor, and the police has a hand in promoting the image of, on how people as dangerous, mentally ill, and on drugs? Well, of course, like, we have to look to our leadership to really give us advice and to lead by example. So I would like for everybody in leadership to kind of put put their foot down, put, you know, put the money where the buck is, you know, so to speak, and just really um, stop. I, I would like to see more action being taken in favor of helping people instead of um, criminalizing people. My sentiments, I, uh, exactly. I, I agree. I think they, the leadership has done a piss poor job, and that is because they have been leading the leading force to the vigilante groups that are on Facebook. Um, they've joined a white nationalist uh, group. They have joined uh, uh, these other hate groups in order to promote and stand idly by why residents take pot shots or visual firebombs to, to a resident in Echo Park or shoot at an unhoused person from their car uh, recently, like particularly last Sunday. So they have had the hand in all of this and they don't understand that what they do uh, reverberates through the regular populace. And the populace has uh, been amping themselves up with not in my backyard, which and they have been pushing the politicians to reinstitute a, or re-expand 4118, which states that unhoused people can't sleep near uh, parks or sit near parks or near uh, schools or driveways or uh, bridges and the uh, and the like. And the challenges is that the unspoken word is that they are trying to push them out into the desert because they will not be able to get any services. So, do you think it's important, or you think it's uh, in it's a the right step in trying to criminalize already? A downtrodden people or to try to help them? Um, criminalizing anybody isn't going to really help in, in this particular situation. I think what needs to be done is um, further action and policies so far as for one, um, just reiterating the fact that they're, that people are people and they need to be treated, everybody needs to be treated with some level of dignity and respect no matter what. And um, I just don't understand it myself. I really don't. I feel there's more housing for people who are doing things that they shouldn't be doing and rehabilitation. And there's not enough for people who, you know, may have a mental illness or may not, who may have fallen on, you know, downtrodden times, who may have had medical issues at some point, or, you know, people who just can't afford this high ass ridiculous rent that they have for these little shacks in the city of Los Angeles. So we have to think of it from that perspective too, because these, this, these perspectives and other perspectives, like more dire perspectives, are the reason why we're having this crisis. So we have to address um, the housing issue. And the housing issue is just that um, they're building these high apartments, especially I see it in Chinatown, where nobody lives, it's vacant. They want to, you know, they they want people in there that have money, and they maybe have like ten people in there, you know, and they don't want other people to be able to afford to live there because they want to just make money. Well, you can't bleed a turnip, okay? You can't bleed a, a beet. There's nothing in there, so <laughs> we're all we're all at risk of being homeless, really, you know. So that has to be the sentiment that this isn't just about unhoused people. This is about us as a community. Us as a us as a city, us as a country, us as a state. Like, 
how are we protecting the people? I think that's uh, well reason because I feel that once they create these new laws, like for example, they're doing the Martin versus Boys' amicus brief, which gives them more power into attacking unhoused people. And then they're also having open discussions about the 4118A through D. These things are what's salient to, to today's time. We that are having these financial struggles don't realize if we become unhoused, we have transitioned from a capitalist or a taxpayer or a person that pays to a criminal because I've heard it multiple times. You will be subjected to the same laws that you may have been improved into or the city has pushed themselves to try to penalize unhoused people to hide them, particularly because the Olympics is coming and they don't want to see the eyesore and this misery of unhoused people and people from all over the world will point and say, why God, what is going on? Why are these unhoused people out there? So if the city can continue to paint the picture that these are criminals that were a danger and we put them in a desert camp or things of that nature, out of sight, out of mind, then they can create the position that they are doing something about it. Uh, without further ado, I also want to lastly point out that when we talk about unhoused issues in the show, we're talking about the real things of the real challenges that is overlooked from everyday people. We transition from uh, having things we take for granted like a bathroom, showers, and place to sleep without constant fear of being killed, burned alive, or harassed by police officers, business improvement district, and just the public that doesn't like unhoused people. And so I want to thank my, uh, my guest today, Sarah Chisholm. Of course, thank you for having me, I appreciate it. Unhoused news. Theo Henderson. Heavy rains on Wednesday causes unhoused people to go in places where housed people do not wish to see them and thus causes a new cycle of police, uh, police inter interference. Los Angeles, Las Vegas, New Orleans criminalizes unhoused people. Santa Cruz received seven million to focus on expanding shelters for the unhoused. Unhoused residents in Phoenix, Arizona camp are offered no shelter after they are ejected by the police. In unhoused news across the county, two die in Washington, D.C. due to the cold weather, due to no uh, shelters available for unhoused residents. Some final thoughts on LA Times, Steve Lopez's fluff piece and support of Los Angeles police's law and order stance against unhoused people. We have shown that um, policing and criminalizing unhoused people is not the solution. And this is what our podcast is about, showing the light and educating against the tide of hostility, vigilante justice, and this delusional notion that the police will solve the problem of unhoused people. Steve Lopez considers Detective Jeannie, spelled G-E-A-N-E-Y, that she is tough, compassionate, and resourceful. She further adds on that she also is out there looking at people who may be ready for something different. In her philosophy, which is unstated, but really pretty clear, that she believes most unhoused people are out here because they want to be out here, as this is the thing to do. 
I'm going to play a situational game and offer translation because the language should be very clear. This is a quote from the Los Angeles Times newspaper. One, they go to work. They play by the rules. They play by the rules. They can't get any peace. Here's the translation. They go to work. Translation, unhoused people are lazy and don't want to work. They play by the rules. Unhoused people break the law. They are, are harassed and they don't want any, they want, they have no peace. They don't feel safe. Unhoused people are violent and a torment to good people. So in other words, the conclusion that could be read between the lines is unhoused people are a bunch of violent, not good people that don't want to play by the rules, that are harassing people that are going to work, and that don't want to do anything but stay on the streets to get high and be mentally ill. Steve Lopez, again, has shown that he has, a, as he followed this uh, detective around for a month, and he immediately called her to get the uh, unhoused czar or expert on the situation. And in essence, what he's saying and he's telling the populace when he got involved in this social justice issue is to get the police back on. Law and order has remained because, after all, when she walks up on people who don't want to move their tent and, and tells them to move along or break down their tent in 80 or 90 degree weather, they are lawless. There's no law and order. Laws are meant to be focused and informed. So when you have that end kind of thinking, and when you see unhoused people trying to survive and stay protected because your needs doesn't change when you become on the street, that tells you just where the thinking is on the rest of the society. They don't want to see you. They don't even want to think about you. They don't even care what reasons that you're out there. You're not playing by the rules and you should be handled with extreme prejudice with the sanction hit, or the sanction approval of the Los Angeles Police Department. I want to leave some final thoughts for today. As the unhouses suffered through our society's indifference, apathy, and hostility, we still have an undeniable fact. We still remain interconnected with the human family. You cannot put us anywhere where we are destined to be. And I mean by that is you can't throw us in the clouds, you can't send us to concentration camps, and you cannot ignore our existence, our humanity. We are interconnected with mankind, just as you are. I'm remembered by the words of an old poet when he says, no man is an island entire of itself. Each part is part of the continent. So we are part of the continent, a part of the main. We breathe, we live, we love, we sorrow just the same as you do. We put our pants on with one leg at a time. The unhoused is a part of our reality and a part of the main society. When are we going to learn that it is an unhoused suffers that we all suffer? Each unhoused death diminishes the housed. We are involved in humankind. Therefore, send not to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Thank you for listening to our show. I will leave you with a thought. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Too long, we have had some well-meaning good people 
being silent about the issues that unhoused people face, partly due to fear of being retaliated against. They have an advantage. They have the comfort of going to their house, but unhoused people do not. Unhoused people are scrambling on a day-to-day -day survival basis and at the mercy of a disgruntled neighbor, a disgruntled police officer that may have had a bad day, or a panicked city council, board of supervisor, or mayor that is caving into the hatred and vigilantism that is inspired by the community. Where are the good people to stand against this rising tide of hate? We're looking for you. We cannot use the fifth estate anymore because Steve Lopez of the Los Angeles Times has baked his stake in the madness of the machine. He is joining the party of hatred. So the time is always right to do what is right. And we are waiting on you to join us in this fight.